0: All right, so it's good to see everybody here this morning, and uh, uh, I'm excited to be with you. Uh, like I said, I was at, at Trinity for 28 years, to be exact, and uh, 10 and a half years worked under Pastor Eddie, and then the last 17 years or so in, uh, as the senior pastor. And so, you know, to be honest with you, it's the only ministry I've known Uh, I got out of Bible school. I was a banker for 10 years, graduated from the University of Mississippi, hotty toddy, and then uh, went uh, went into a banking career, spent 10 years, and then went to Bible school, and then went to All Good, Tennessee. And I'm telling you, All Good's a great place. And everything's good. It's all good and all good. Trust me. If you don't believe me, you can go through difficult over to defeated, which is just to the southwest of us. And then only takes one gallon of gas to get to where it's all good. All right. And so uh, anyway, it's a it's a great place. It's been a great place. My family and I have really enjoyed living there and we hope to still live there. But now we've changed uh, the page and or turned the page in our lives. Uh, God began to deal with us about going and doing some work in uh, Thailand and uh, also in the nation of Kenya. But the bulk of our work will be in Thailand where we're training laborers and working with the people who are coming out of Burma, and Bangladesh, and Laos, Vietnam, and and, uh, China. And we have built a ministry center over there. It's almost finished. We're still raising a little bit of money to get that task done. But they come, they stay, they live there, we feed them, house them, and train them. They go back and they plant churches in places where less than 1% of the people even know the name of Jesus. And I know it's hard for us to believe. You're sitting there thinking, what? Can there be those kind of places? Yes, in that 1040 window, there are plenty of places where the name of Jesus is not its not even known, let alone being worshiped. And so that's what uh, we believe the Lord has for our next phase. In fact, we've got a video. And so if you'll watch the screen. In 1991, Jada and I, along with Jacob and Joel, moved to Cookville, Tennessee. It was a great day for us. Will was born here in Cookville. Our family's been strongly rooted in this community and this local church. And people who didn't know us took us in. But like any other thing in life, seasons close. And our season here at Trinity is coming to a close. It's never too late to dream. God loves dreamers because God himself is a dreamer. The dream began with my great-grandmother praying, Lord, I'm too old, but send him. Send him behind the bamboo curtain. Send him behind the iron curtain. Those were the words of my great-grandmother, and now we're fulfilling those words as we go to the nations. Our goal is to train laborers who are coming out of Burma, Laos, Vietnam, and China to plant churches and then send them back in so they can grow a healthy church A place where only 1% of the people have ever heard the name of Jesus. And we're asking you to partner with us through prayer and to partner with us financially. Would you pray about partnering with us to send us to the nations so that we can match projects to people and people to nations and win the lost for Jesus Christ, fulfilling the dream that is in our hearts. Psalm chapter 2 and verse 8 says, "Ask." And I'll give you the heathen as your inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth as your possessions. Help us to possess the lost. There was a young Thai pastor in one of those pictures and his wife, and that's who we're going to be uh, working alongside, uh, helping to train. And uh, so... You know we have material. You can check us after uh, after the service. We have a table over here. My son Will's here. Will, wave your hand. Uh, he told me in the first service, Dad, don't make me stand up, and I did. So I'm giving him a break in this service. I might have worked him too hard last service, and. Uh, So uh, anyway, he'll be over there, and uh, so stop by, and when you do, my wife, she has her new book out, it's called uh, Live Like Royalty, all right, and it's available, and then also uh, we have some uh, USB drives that have sermons on there, and so you can learn a little more about us, and uh, here, Bubba, would you, uh, in fact, you you give that book to your wife, and then y'all can have that, okay? Thank you very much, and uh, hey, give him a good hand, he does a great job around here. Pastor Eddie brags on him a lot, and uh, so uh, I I might as well do it too, amen? Hey, listen, are we living in crazy days or what? This is absolutely nuts, isn't it? We're living in a day of fear and hysteria that's been loosed on the earth. Now listen to me, saints, I know your pastor well. I worked for him for ten and a half years, and fear is not a part of who he is. And uh, because of the Word of God. And so I want to encourage you today. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Everybody say, sound mind. Yes. Everybody say, I have. I have. A, sound a sound mind. So don't fall to the hysteria of what you're hearing on the news. It was amazing this morning. I was sitting and I was eating a little bit of breakfast, and, and a guy from, uh, on uh, the CNN network Was uh, commenting about how, you know, you can't believe anything comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. And I thought, man, now that's the pot calling the kettle black. And uh, so, uh, anyway, that's all I'm going to say. I'm not trying to stir up any political storm. Uh, if you have questions about all that, take them up with Pastor Eddie. But, uh, you know, because that's the way it is. We speakers come in, tear it up, and then he has to repair it. And uh, But, no, I'm not trying to do any of that. But I am saying this. This is not a time to be listening to all the voices. The Bible says there are many voices in the world and none without significance. This is a time to listen to your spiritual leader and be led by the Spirit of God. All right? So that's my admonishment to you. That's what I would tell my people if I was standing in the pulpit in, uh, in all good. So I'm just uh, trying to make that clear. And, uh, and then, I mean, what about all this toilet paper stuff? Is this not crazy? Come on, y'all a shortage of toilet paper. Well, I never heard of such. I didn't even know what was going on. Friday night, i go down to the grocery store. My wife had given me a list. She's in Houston. She's preaching in Houston. And so I, I was uh, I, I was doing the, getting a few things that she had on there, and I went down the aisle because it said toilet paper, and there was none. The shelves were empty, and signs were hanging on there saying only two packs per person. I'm like, what's going on? So I said that out loud, not really realizing that i'm standing there talking to myself thank god i didn't answer and so uh anyway this guy comes pushing this thing down the aisle and he goes hey you're looking for toilet paper uh, you know when did we start announcing things like that anyway he uh he says i got some right here in this box in these boxes so he comes over and i said hey dude what's the deal with the toilet paper and he goes man i don't know but people have been coming in we just got these. he said i just got these off the truck so he put some up on the shelf, and I was going to reach to grab one, and a lady pushes me out of the way. She'd come flying up from behind me, pushes me out of the way, and says, I saw those first, they're mine. Good Lord, I said, lady, what's your problem? That, that's what I said, but that wasn't what I was thinking. How many of y'all are glad we don't always say what we think, All right. And, uh, you know, and so I said, man, this is ridiculous, you know. And then I go to a meeting. I get up Saturday morning. I went to a Teen Challenge board meeting. I'm on the board up in the Upper Cumberland Teen Challenge. And so uh, we go to this meeting. I carry my Yeti. I'm drinking my coffee. I got up at 1030 and left. Meeting started at 8. I left at 1030. When went to dismiss. I left my Yeti. And they took a picture of it and told me. They said, hey, if you want this Yeti back, we're holding it hostage for a roll of toilet paper. So... Uh, Jeez, tell me life hadn't changed. Go in your Bible today to the book of Ruth, All right, We're going to go to Ruth. I want to just touch on the Word of God for a few minutes this morning and try to encourage you. The title of my sermon this morning is, What Are You Willing to Kiss Goodbye? What are you willing to kiss goodbye? Here in the story of Ruth in chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1. All right, and uh, while I'm saying that, we're going to pray and ask God's blessing. But let's also pray for the leaders of our nation. Can we do that? Y'all believe they have a tough job right now, and uh, and whatever they do, they have to choose their words wisely, or it incites so much fear, and that's what they're concerned about is inciting the general public to do crazy things. So, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor You and thank You for Your Word. Thank You, it's alive and powerful. Now, Father, according to Your Word, we pray. You said to pray for those who are in authority. So, Father, we pray for our President, Vice President, the House, the Senate, Judiciary, for all of the people who are meeting with the President that are giving him counsel. We're believing for the wisdom of God to be imparted. We're believing, Father, we're not going to do things out of fear and hysteria, but we're going to do things out of wisdom of wisdom. Father God. You've given us the knowledge and then we're going to apply that knowledge through wisdom. And I pray that they will speak wisdom, Father God, so that we as a people can follow and and accomplish and do. The Bible says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So we curse this coronavirus, Father, in the name of Jesus. It'll have no place. Our homes are the place of the the presence of God, washed in the blood. The blood protects us, Father. It's just like the land of Ocean, when the death angel passed through, it didn't go into the house of Israel, Father, and it'll not go in the house of God. I thank you right now, Father, in Jesus' name, that we're going to be well, that the Word says that by His stripes we're healed, that He Himself bore our sickness and our infirmity. We believe it, and we believe that You're going to lead and guide us, Father, in the coming days so that we can accomplish and do everything we need to do, Father God, and we thank You for it now. Father, help us. Lead us and guide us as a nation and as a people so that we will be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. In Jesus' name, and everybody in the house said, Amen. Praise God. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in those days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Everybody say famine. Famine. There was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The names of the man was Elimelech, the name of the wife was Naomi, and then his two sons, All right, And then skip down to verse 3, it says, Then Elimelech, uh, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons, and they took wives... All right. And then uh, look down at verse five. And then both of the sons died. So the woman survived two sons and her husband. Then she rose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread she went out from that place where she was and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way and returned to the land of Judah. And then Naomi said, Go back, or return each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you as he's dealt with me, uh, with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of, your, of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Today I want to ask you, what are you willing to kiss goodbye to follow the Spirit of God? Now listen to me, saints. The Bible says there was a famine in the land. Bethlehem was experiencing a famine, which is often the result of the lack of spiritual obedience by the people of God. In fact, at this time when that famine came, that's exactly where we were. We had judges ruling the house of Israel, and the people of Israel were not obedient to the word of God. And because of it, famine had struck the land. I want you to notice what Elimelech Elimelech did. Elimelech took his family. Now listen, listen. He took his family from the place where the presence of God was and moved them to a country, the Moabites, to a place where God does not dwell. And planted himself in that place and died in that place. Buried outside the presence of God. Now listen, it's important that we understand that we need to be in the presence of God and there's going to be times in our lives where we have famines in our life where the things spiritually may not be clicking like they need to be clicking, but I want you to know something. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will always be with us. We just got to find that place in in private where we can reconnect with the Spirit of God. Don't plant yourself in a place that's outside of God. Don't plant yourself in a place where you know God's not blessing. Stay in the blessing of the Lord. Stay in the presence of God. Say, Pastor, there's days I can't feel the presence of God. Listen, we don't go by a feeling. We don't go by an emotion. We go by what we know the Word of God says. And the Bible says that the presence of God is indwelling the believer. Even when you don't feel Him, He's in there. Glory to God. He's down on the inside. He's down inside here. And listen to me, saints. He's still speaking to us. One of the problems we have is that we get so busy in life and things start going so fast that we don't often hear the voice of the Father. Because we're distracted by so many other things that are going on. Elimelech moved his family. And because he moved his family into the place where the presence of God was not, he died in that place and was buried outside of the place of God. Not only that, but his two sons did exactly what the Word of God said they weren't supposed to do, which is to marry outside of the house of God. They went after women who were accustomed to following false gods. Now, I know the story's going to end good. Everybody say, end good. How many of y'all like stories that end good? That's why a lot of you ladies like to watch Hallmark. I hate Christmas time. Every one of them movies look alike. My wife will watch every one of them sit over and cry. I'm like, come on, honey. You know that she's fixing to leave him. He's not going to do her right. This other guy's going to come along do her right. She's going to go with him. You're going to get happy at the end of the movie. Help me, Jesus. Come on, y'all are with me, aren't you? I would ask for how many men wish their wife didn't watch those movies, but that gets you in trouble. And honey, if you're watching, I love you. So anyway, the Bible says that both of her sons died. Both of the men, both of these young sons died, and now she has no husband, and the two daughter-in-laws have no husband. But then something strange begins to happen. And that strange thing is, she begins to hear, everybody say, she heard. She heard about the move of God in the land of Judah from which she was from. She heard that in the city of Bethlehem, the city of bread, that God was beginning to move again and beginning to stir. And she went back to the place where from when she came. It's just like you and I. Sometimes we move ourselves away from God. We become like the prodigal son. We get off back into the things of God and forget that God loves us and that God is with us. And then one day, God, the conviction of God hits our hearts and we come back home only to find out that God had never moved in the first place. He was still right there waiting on us, but He was always beckoning us to call. Do you all remember the woman with the issue of blood? The Bible said that she had that issue for 12 years. She'd been to every physician she could go to, and yet she still was not better, but rather what? Grew worse. But then the Bible said, and when she had heard, everybody say heard. heard. When she heard of who? Jesus. She pressed in. Listen to me. The crowd The people that you've been hanging with, they may not let you, but you need to press in anyway. She pressed in, touched the hem of the garment of God, of the Lord Jesus, and was made whole from that very moment. All because she heard, she put herself in the presence of God. Listen, let me ask you a question this morning. The Bible says that when Naomi went back to her country, the two daughter-in-laws were with her, she kissed them goodbye. She was willing to give up two daughter-in-laws who were following false gods, had been raised in things that were not in according with the Word of God. She was willing to kiss them goodbye so that she, even though she would have no one to take care of her, when she dismissed them, there's nobody left to take care of her because she doesn't have a husband. But she's willing to kiss all of that goodbye so she could have the presence of God. And so that brings up my first point today, uh, which is really this. What about you? Are you willing to do that? What about your associations? The number one thing that keeps us from the will of God are the people that surround us and the people that we buddy with. They will either press us in or they'll pull us out. Isn't it funny how you get saved? I know I got saved when I was at Ole Miss. Man, I wanted everybody to get saved. But I found out that if I hung around with the same crowd, I was going to get the same results. Why? Because it says says bad company corrupts what? Good morals. But she was willing to kiss them goodbye. I think what's interesting about the story is she was willing to risk losing her ability to have anything in life so that she could have the presence of God, and die in the presence of God, and die in the land where God was moving. But she kissed them girls goodbye, and then Ruth said, No, I'm not leaving. I've learned enough from you to know that where you're going, I want that land to be my land, those people to be my people, and your God to be my God. See, she was willing to risk... And when she took the risk, Ruth goes with her. But Orpa, Orpah, the other daughter-in-law, the Bible says that she kissed Ruth, or Naomi on the cheek. And when she kissed Naomi on the cheek, the Bible says she returned to her land, her people, and her gods, plural. In other words, she was not willing to risk leaving her family and the land that she was raised in. She wanted to go back. And I want to ask you today, what are you willing to risk? What are you willing to kiss goodbye? Are you willing to kiss family goodbye if they're holding you back? Are you willing to spend less time with them so you can be in less time with God? Are you willing to risk your best friend? Are you willing to risk a a group of people that are holding you back? That every time you get around them, it's no, you can't do this, you can't do that. Oh, you know, you start telling them your dream, they say, oh, you can't do that. Listen to me. If God says you can, you can. You and God or a majority. You and God are more than enough. I'm telling you right now, God wants you to move forward. He wants you to accomplish and do what He said in your heart, and I don't care how old you are or how young you are, you're never too old to do the will of God. You're never too young to start doing the will of God. People think, well, you know, I can't tell you how many people told me at at Trinity. Well, pastor, I'm old now, and you know, God wants to use young. Yes, God wants to use young people, but He wants to use you too. He's not done with us. Abraham was 99. He started having kids. How many of y'all want kids at 99? 99. My God, I told the Lord in prayer the other day. I said, Lord, listen, I was reminding him about Abraham, how Abraham pled. I was pleading for the land. I said, with the righteous God of the earth. You know, and I started asking him about things. And I said, oh, by the way, Lord, I don't want to start having kids at 99. Abraham, he was blessed. That's maybe more blessing than I could take. Are y'all with me this morning? That's for a young man hallelujah i tried tried to tell my wife a few years back i said honey let's adopt us a kid she's like no way i'm like oh come on she said no way and then we started having grandbabies and i looked at her and i said oh i'm glad you said no way i'm glad we get to keep those grandbabies and spoil them then give them back hallelujah that's what god is all about and let me ask you this what about your environment Some of y'all are living in an environment, you've been raised in an environment that always said no. It was always negative, it was always what you couldn't do. I want you to know, God is a God that can do. I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. So what are you going to do about that environment? Are you willing to kiss the environment goodbye? You know, I've been at Trinity for 28 years, I had to be willing to kiss that goodbye. That environment was not holding me back from the will of God. But if I stay there, that environment's not going to increase in God. Because I'm in the wrong place and somebody else needs to be in my spot. Are you hearing me, saints? And so I had to, I had to ask myself this very question. In fact, this is one of the things that I, I began to read and study on. I, I didn't purpose it. It just happened that way after I, had, I, I was uh, you know, de- trying to determine what I was going to do. And I said, Lord, I've got to kiss that place goodbye. I want you to know it was hard to kiss that place goodbye after 28 years. But I want you to know something right now. What God's got for us in the future is going to be greater than what we've had in the past. But you'll never know it until you're willing to kiss the past goodbye. You've you got to kiss it goodbye. And that means that you've got to change some things in your life. The battle for your life always begins in your mind. Some of y'all just need to have a different mindset. And that comes through transformation. You've got to be transformed by the Word of God. You've got to be renewed. In fact, let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. For the sake of time, I want to, to move forward so I get done here on time. You know, the Bible's... Not the Bible, but you know, I, I've learned. How many of y'all know that over a few years you learn some things? I always told speakers, listen, you got this time to this time. And they said, well, what happens if God gets moved, we go late? I said, you got this time to this time, or there's no offering time. You know, they were done every time on time. Come on. I know what you all sitting there thinking, boy, that ain't nice. Pastor Eddie taught me that. I'll just tell you the truth. I'll never forget one time we had this singing group in the church, and they were going on, and it went Thirty minutes late, forty-five minutes late. Bobby Davis was running the service, and Bobby, you know, he 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 wanted to get up there and cut it off, but he wouldn't do it. All of a sudden, looked up. Here comes Pastor Eddie right down the right down the aisle, and got about where Bubby is right there from the stage. And they finished that song, and uh, we're getting ready for another. And Pastor Eddie grabbed the microphone and said, "How about passenger?" He said, "Good night, everybody." And put the mic down and walked right up the aisle. How many of y'all know it was over? So we're going to get done on time. And everybody in the house said, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But look at this in Romans chapter 12. This is important. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, at the mercies or by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Listen, which is your reasonable service. Listen, that I love it in another translation. It says, it's your reasonable service of spiritual worship. Do you realize that you're worshiping God in the spirit when you select righteousness over unrighteousness? When you bow to the will of God versus the will of your flesh, you are presenting yourself acceptable unto God. But saints, you can't stay there unless you do verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice, it proves what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Two words in that verse of Scripture that are so significant to the will of God. One of them is the word conform, the other one is the word transform. Look at the word transform, it's on the screen. It literally means to change. Uh, in in composition or structure. Change the outward form or appearance of. To change in character or condition. Convert, which means to bring over from one belief to another. To change from one form or function to another. Listen, how many of y'all have found out that some of the thoughts you've been thinking are not the thoughts of God? And you've changed from one to the other. And then you're changing because you're allowing the Word of God to wash your mind. The Bible says through the washing of the water by the Word, it makes you begin to operate right. Because when you change the subconscious, you change the actions. And when you change your actions, you start looking like, and you're being transformed into the image of Jesus. Now, I know Pastor Eddie drills you on this Scripture. I know if you've been around him any time, he preaches this. But it's the second word in this that we need to really pay attention to. The second word is the word conformed. And it literally means to give same shape, to outline, to uh, uh, or contour to, to bring into harmony or accord, or to be similar or identical. Do you realize what that Scripture is saying? He's saying in this, in this verse of Scripture, He says, be not conformed, or be not contoured to the world. Don't bring into harmony or accord the world. Don't be similar or identical to the world. When we're living in a time where you can't tell the church from the world, something's wrong. We've been changed. I was sharing in the first service I shared with you. I went to Old Miss about 18 months ago or so. It was, wasn't this last football season. It was the one before. It was the first time I'd been there in about 30 years. And uh, so I, I went to the campus to the game, and I was parked over a mile away and when I got out of my car. Now, when I was at Old Miss, I struggled with alcohol. That's where I, 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 I uh, man, I had some hard times dealing with alcohol and had to get delivered. And uh, we were, I joined a fraternity, and we partied. I knew how to party hardy, but I also know how to praise heartily. And so uh, when I got saved at Ole Miss, one of the last years I was there at the, at the university, I got saved. We were in that frat. We had 110 guys. We had 52 of them got saved and filled with the Spirit of God. We started affecting the environment. And so when I got out of my car, the smell of the alcohol that was over a mile away in the grove hit me as though I was pouring it in my own glass in my own hand it became that real and I heard a voice say Mike welcome home and I stood there stunned for a moment my wife looked at me and said are you okay and I I closed the door and I said we can't stay here I said I just heard a voice calling me back home I said I'm not going over there we went to the football game and then we left we actually left early See, you have to kiss some things goodbye. And some of y'all are hanging around things that you still have the smell of that former life in your nostrils. And that voice is still calling and has some grip in your life. I don't know what it is for you. For me, it was alcohol. And I've been to meetings that have had alcohol before say, what? You're a preacher. Well, I went to... What are the Chamber of Commerce, you know, after hours, you know, where they'd talk about the things going on in the chamber and they would have, they would have some wine there and stuff. I, listen, listen, I'm the king of Diet Coke. Don't everybody get all worked up? I mean, people used to get worked up. They'd come up to me and say, Pastor, what do you got in that glass? Are you kidding me? So I'm going to come right here in the middle of the city and start doing this. You're nuts. I got Diet Coke. And then I found out that wasn't good for you. So I'm back to water. People kept telling me, you know, there's rat poison in that. Boy, that's exciting. I don't know if there is or not. Here's something I do know. You've got to get the smell of the past out of your life. Because as long as you're still smelling it, it's still pulling you. You're still listening to that voice. And Jesus wants you transformed and totally delivered. So that you don't have to deal with your past anymore. Your past is your past at last. That's the way it ought to be. Can you say amen? And that's what Jesus wants to happen in your life. I'm telling you that right now. And you know, I I left that game early. I'm the king at leaving things early. I left early because that was bothering me. But the truth of the matter was, it was another loss for Ole Miss. Let me just call it like it is, All right. I never get excited from week to week. I've been around them so long, you know, we just, I mean, you know, you say, well, that's a negative attitude. Well, we had a couple years of of winning and what happened to us? We were cheating. Are y'all following me this morning? Listen to me, saints. Here's what I'm saying to you. I'm not saying don't follow your favorite football, none of that stuff. I just say these things to you so you understand that it happens to us as ministers just as much as it happens to you that are sitting in the pews. We live the same kind of life. And we fight the same battles. And if I can't share those things and, and be open about the way it is, how do, you get, how do you get free? It's easy to preach it to someone. It's another thing to walk through it. My son Jacob, he had issues with alcohol. We had to put him in a recovery center. There was a day that I, I, I wasn't real, uh, real excited about saying those things. But I realized that, that, listen, he's just like every other kid in the church. And so he made some wrong choices. And So I never will forget after he got through the program and, and uh, you know, we did all that counseling, all that family counseling, all that stuff. And he said, Dad, is it, isn't it, is it, is it too late for me to do what I, I know I need to do? I said, son, it's never too late. It'll only be too late if you build a monument and stay there worshiping it. And so he's moved forward in life. Now he's graduated. He's an entomologist, got his Ph.D. from the University of, uh, of Arizona State, Arizona State University, and now he's working for the Center for Disease Control. My kid, one of the smart kids on the block, I told my wife all along, I think there's a mailman out there somewhere. Uh. She tells me a lot of times, sometimes you just need to be quiet. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? I'm going to tell you something right now. I used to tell the people of all good, and I'll tell you the same thing. When church quits being fun, I'll quit. I go to church to have fun. Say, what? I say, yeah, I'll go to church to have fun. Because I believe living in the kingdom of God is the best way to live this life. And if I can't have fun at my church, and I told them, I said, when the, ch- when the fun quits, I quit. And the fun died down at Trinity, and I quit. Now, it's still fun for the people that are there, but it's not fun for me. In other words, I was out of position. Are you all with me? And so we, had to, we have to do what we have to do. Let me give you five quick things here. You know, Zacchaeus, uh, Zacchaeus is, our, is our change agent. I want you to know Zacchaeus, he's a guy who had to kiss a lot goodbye. The Bible says that he was a tax collector. You know, that's lower than a sinner. It's hard for us to imagine. Oh, Wayne, God, I'm so sorry. That's not the way it works today. Oh, gosh. So anyway, praise the Lord. So, uh, but, but Zacchaeus got saved, and we know he did, because he told Jesus. He said, everything that I've stolen, I'm going to give back four times. And I'll give half of all my goods, half of all my goods to the poor. See, he was willing to kiss his position goodbye, so that he could accomplish what God was putting in his heart's. Do you realize that Zacchaeus had heard of Jesus? Everybody say heard. And the Bible says he ran down the road and climbed up a tree so that he could see Jesus. What he didn't realize was God had planted that tree years ago so that he could climb up in that tree and be positioned to receive the blessing of God. So let me give you five quick things you need to do. Number one, you've got to decide to kiss some relationships goodbye. You've got to do it. I can't make you do it. Pastor can't make you do it. And we're not even going to try but the Lord is asking you, what relationships do you need to say goodbye to? Number two, you've got to have a desire to kiss your environment goodbye. See, it all begins with desire. When I met my wife, I mean, I had a desire to kiss her. I wanted to kiss her. You men know what I'm talking about. When I see her on, on Tuesday when she gets back from Houston, I, I got that desire to kiss her. It's, it's a longing in our hearts. And you've got to break the longing of things that aren't carrying you into the will of God. So that you can have the longing of God. Can you say amen? Number three, you've got to kiss some thoughts goodbye. Kiss them goodbye. Some of your thoughts are keeping you nailed to your past. Jesus nailed everything according to to the book of Colossians. He nailed it to the cross. So that you could be free from it. And I'm asking you, what are you going to nail? I sat beside a guy who died 35 years working at one job. I told him, I said, man, 35 years, you know, I'm I'm, I'm like, dude, that is awesome. He looked me square in the eye and he said, it was the worst 35 years of my life. I said, what? He said, the only regret I have in life is that I didn't quit my job. I saw it as a source of income and didn't see any other way that I could make a living. And he spent 35 years doing something he hated every day. I'm not going to do it. Come on, God's bigger than one job. Number four, got to kiss apathy and laziness goodbye. Kiss it, goodbye. The thing that keeps us from moving forward is apathy. Laziness. The Bible says that God blesses the hand of the diligent. And you got to make that decision to move in. And number five, you got to kiss your past goodbye. Kiss it. See you later. Hasta baby. And don't tell it you'll be back. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. No, we're not coming back. We're marching forward. And it don't matter what it is. It don't matter whether it's a job. It don't matter whether it's a calling. Listen, it don't matter what what it is. It don't matter what it is at the church. God wants you to move forward. You can come on. God wants you to move forward. Can you say amen? amen? And that's what God is saying to you today. What are you willing? Listen, if we ever needed to kiss some things goodbye so that we could be more intimate with the Spirit of God, it's in today's environment. You need to know the will of God and the hand of God is operating in your life today. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, when was the last time we had something like this happen? I'm sitting here and I've touched my face and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I just want you to know. That when I get done here, all right, bam, I got some cleaning agent right here. When's the last time we thought about living like that? Listen, press into God.